Welcome to Balcony Cheerleader, the podcast dedicated to celebrating you. I'm your host, Miss Thunder, and it's boom time. And there's no cheer like a Miss Thunder cheer. And today's episode is called Lights, Camera, and Action. We have a nationally recognized film critic, journalist, and producer. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for the one and only cinema titan, Mr. Sean Edwards. Sean, how are you? I'm good. I'm just, I'm I'm a little disappointed though. Um, I guess because of the pandemic. Because of the pandemic, I wanted to be on the balcony. What's up with the balcony? <laughs> Listen, when you ready to really get on the balcony, I'll make sure you get here. How you doing, Sean? <laughs> I'm good. How how big how big is how big is the balcony? The balcony is big enough for you, me, and ten other people to look down and to continue to cheer. All right. That's how many how. stories? How many stories up? Three. Oh, it's that, not bad. Is that bad? So the, see? No, nah, so if the party <laughs> if the party got crazy and, and, and some people fell over, they'd be all right. Three's not see? that bad. Three's not that bad because you know sometimes when people are toasting it up, you know, things can, you know, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> yeah, I you know what? True story. Uh back in the I don't really party anymore, but back in the day when I used to party, I, I had a huge balcony party at the uh Four Seasons Hotel one time with the entire cast of Twilight. Oh wow! What was yeah, that like? Crazy. Okay, so you got to break cool. that down. What was that like hanging out with? It was cool. It was it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot of fun. You know, it was okay. Rob Pattinson, Kristen Stewart, and a bunch of the other people that I don't think anybody knows anymore. But it was oh, <laughs> they were famous for the second. <laughs> no, it was great. I was I was in LA covering the film. You know, doing some interviews, and then uh, right. I don't know. One of the cast members started a rumor that I was having a party in my room and it ended up becoming true. It was it was good times. Oh. It also happened it also happened before the explosion of social media, which is a good thing. Which is probably why they showed up. Because stars would never show up to a situation like that now. Because everybody would be in the room trying to take selfies and posting everything oh, that yeah. happened. You know? For sure. You know, back then you you could back then you could do what you wanted to do and it was all good. It, it never really happened. Basically, so Sean, okay, you got to take so us that's back. That's my balcony. That's my balcony story. That's my that, balcony. That's my best balcony story. That's your best one. I know you got more. You just holding out, and you know I'm gonna get it out of you. No, 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 no. The entire. No, 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 no. The entire. Nah, you're not gonna top the entire cast of Twilight on your balcony. I was in a standard size room, by the way, too. So it wasn't like it was a big balcony. It, that was before my baller days. It was a standard room and a standard Stop. balcony. About 25 people standing on standing on the ledge. So I'm just surprised it didn't collapse. Yeah. Okay, but let me ask you this, because you know everybody's going to want to know this. Are they similar to the characters that they played in Twilight? Break Hell Dawn? no. Hell no. <laughs> no one should ever ask that question. No one is like, the characters they play in a movie ever they're they're called professional actors they right. they get paid to make believe no they're not anything like those those characters not see, not at all i've see. i've never met a single actor actress that was anything like a character they play see, ever see even see. when they're doing the, even when they're doing their interviews they're acting they're <laughs> pretending to have an engaging conversation with me and like, it's their job it's their job yeah it's their job <laughs> Like, 
Their job is to make it seem like we're having the best conversation ever in the history of conversations. It's their job. Mm, it's their yeah. job. When it looks like we're best friends when we're having an interview, but we're really yes. not. Now, I've been doing it for a long time, and I have become friends with certain people, but 99.9% right. .9 of the time, they're acting. It's not real. It's make-believe. But see, you make it seem like, okay, I've I've gone through, I don't know, like hundreds of your interviews. Oh, that's and scary. No, it is not scary. And there are <laughs> a few that stand out in okay. my mine and oh wow all right yeah th there are a few that really stand out in my mind and one is i love your interview with john cena because oh yeah john cool see, john real see, cool that's my, yeah, that's my guy see. that's my guy john's cool come on come but, on now but john got john 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 can get geared up man john, oh he was john fired up here. yeah he john was kinda... stunting with the clothing yeah john be stunned with the clothing like i man john be right John rocks some really dope suit. John got clothes game, like for real. John, be, John be looking blue? good every time. Did you yeah, see yeah, that John's blue? Okay, always, that's what I'm saying. Hey, yeah, John's I'm always, me. yeah, yeah. John don't play. John don't play with the gear. Yeah, John, John, John. Like you would never, like if, like you said, like name like one of the most best dressed dudes in Hollywood. Not, I don't be. think a lot of people would say John Cena, but you got to add him to the list. You have like, to I'm add John Cena to, add to, to the, the list. list. Because the list. when you were interviewing him for F9, the Fast and Furious saga, my man came on with that blue checker and then he had that, 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 that oh, yeah, tie no, that way, was, way. He was not playing. Yeah, he wasn't and, playing. He was not the, playing. He wasn't playing. And then the thing is, he was so, because I'm not used to seeing John Cena and that light. He was a little bit, okay, so when the interview first started, he was really, really serious. And then you were able to bring him out of that seriousness. Then he went yeah, into that, yeah. he went into that WWE, WWF mode. No, no, that's, yeah, that's like, when you know you're, that's, yeah, yeah, that's when you know you're doing a good interview when you can like, because they, you know, they, they don't know what they're walking into, you know, especially because that was like a Zoom interview. It's yeah. a little different when we were doing the interviews pre-pandemic in person because, you know, during your introduction, before the interview starts, you have time to like kind of like create that chemistry, break that ice. Right. With a Zoom interview, you really don't have that opportunity. So, you know, you really got to do that with your first question. You got to break them down so they relax because you don't want to be answering your questions all super robotic. I mean, that's not very fun for the audience. You know, I do these no. interviews so people can watch them on TV. Basically. And, I, you know, they, right, and they primarily air on a morning show. And like, you know, in the mornings when, when people are watching local news, man, they they getting ready for for a job they probably hate going to or they get kids ready for school. <laughs> they, they, they make their breakfast. They trying to avoid their significant other. You know, you know, it's a lot of stuff going on in the house when they got TV on. So you try to put a smile on their face because you know, most people in the world, they wake up, it's rugged in the morning. You know, it's like no. they deal with some real stuff. They might got some bills they gotta pay later. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. They don't know if they got gas in the car <laughs> or they walk into the garage. You know, it's a lot going on. So you 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 want to make sure people are having a good day with like with a little two three minute interview. So if John Cena's being all serious, I'm I'm adding gloom to the people's morning. But if John oh, having man. a good time, then they gonna forget about they they gonna forget about their struggles. They're not gonna be mad at their kids who just told them they got a field trip today and they need ten dollars. <laughs> machine before they drop them off to school which adds 15 <laughs> minutes of their time so now they're going to be late to work
I can't do this with you because see, that's you just like, described you described my whole entire morning. I get to the garage and I don't know if I got gas in my car. You know, oh, some people ain't got garages and they live in cold weather cities. They don't know if they got to scrape their windows. <laughs> no, that oh that ain't never fun, man. I remember the days when I didn't have no garage, man. Scraping See. ice off of a windshield is not fun. It is not. And it's cold. And it's slipping and sliding in that ditch is not, even worse. It's not, <laughs> it's, not, it's not fun at all when your windshield wipers are stuck to your windshield. <laughs> oh my God. God, God, man. You never know what people are going through. So you try to make them feel good and be happy, man. So I can't I can't have serious John Cena. I can't have serious nobody. I don't even care if your movie is about abortion rights. We gotta have some fun with it. Oh my gosh. But then okay, so that's that's just only one, ladies and gentlemen. That is just only one. But then my next interview, when you interview Felicia Rashad and Brisha Webb. Oh, that's my <laughs> Uh, Wait a minute. Listen, listen, listen. You were interviewing them from A Fall from Grace, the thriller movie from Tyler Perry. I need you Tyler to go Perry, back man. and watch and rewatch that interview and let me tell you why. I why? have why? never in all, you need to see this. Felicia Rashad has never been that giddy with any interview. Oh my God. She was like a schoolgirl. Sitting across, oh my God! I, you know what? I'm a huge Claire Huxtable fan. I know she's Felicia Rashad, but I grew up on Claire Huxtable. So, and I've seen her. No, we all did. Come on, you know. So I've seen her do a plethora of interviews. But you need to take. She can be serious. Yes, she She can. can Serious. She can be serious. Oh my God! But she was like a little schoolgirl. Her and Brisha, I was like. Look at Sean getting well, these women to be well, so. That's my, that's my that's my that's that's my play, mom, man. Felicia Rashad is so <laughs> cool, man. And she, I don't think she gets the credit she deserves, man. She's been holding it down for a long time, and man, Sweet. she's just she's just one of those she's just one of those people, man. She's been representing for for so long, man. She's she's an amazing. Her and her sister, man, they they, they could both have their own Hall of Fame, and they've done so much for the industry and so much for Black people in the game. And Brisha Webb, to be you know full disclosure, I worked on a movie with her, so okay. you know she was in Meet the Blacks and Meet the Blacks too. She's she's really talented. I can't wait for her to blow up. Like mm-hmm. she's doing her thing. She she's, she's really doing, doing her thing. thing. Yeah, I like her a lot. She's talented. She's really, really talented. But you All know, of them. it's it's hard. But it's it's hard. It's hard for black women in Hollywood because, you know, it starts with the it's it starts with these scripts that people write. People just don't write a lot of stories that feature black women. You know, people are always like, why don't black women get cast? Well, you know, writers aren't writing stories where they can get cast. So that's the that's the starting point of the problem. And so, you know, you have all these talented women like Abrisha Webb, like a Felicia Rashad, you know, who, you know, the opportunities are, are far and few between, but they're, they're super talented people. And, and I think society has a role because they've done this since the, the beginning of time, since cinema, you know, this better than I, they, they have certain roles that they want African-American and black women to play. And right. if they have roles, that, if they have roles at all, if like, they there, have there a lot roles. of stories, there are a lot of stories where they're written, they just don't exist. So then you got to rely on, um, you know, casting people to cast, you know, universally, you know, without mm-hmm. putting any emphasis on race or ethnicity. And that, you know, 
Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen that often. So, but you know, it's getting better though. It's thank God for television though. Black women really exist on television. And speaking of Tyler Perry, um, people give Tyler Perry props for a lot of things, and he deserves them all because he's an incredible guy. But the one thing I think people need to give Tyler Perry more props on is Tyler Perry has always cast black women from Mm. day one. Tyler Mm. Perry is out of of every working black director in the game right now. Tyler Perry's cast more women than probably all of them combined. Because you got to remember, Tyler Perry was putting people like, uh, you know, Taraji P. Henson after she had been an Oscar nominee in his movie. He was putting Cicely Tyson in his movies. He put Alfre Woodard, another Academy award nominee in this movie remember he was like casting i mean and for colored girls man you forget just how many like Absolutely. just incredible women were in for colored girls only Absolutely. i mean he's been loading them up in the Medea movies tyler perry always cast black women like mm-hmm. man his tv shows are loaded with black women like i mean mm-hmm. all different types of black women too like like he cast jill scott like he was yep. you know yep. plus size women short women tall women dark women light-skinned women all yep. kinds of women tyler tyler perry's that dude when it comes to that like no one can compete with tyler perry when it comes to casting black women no one no mm. one i i would bet my my my, my entire house on that you're not going to name another director who's done more for black women in the past 20 years you you can't He's mm. that dude. So he deserves a lot of credit for that. I hope he's listening. I, in <laughs> fact, I'm going to send him this link because I know Tyler. I'm like, Tyler, man, I just gave you a huge <laughs> shout out. No, I'm dead serious. No, I'm, I'm 100% it's the truth. serious. It's the truth yeah. because one of the questions, and this is why I love this interview that you had with them. One of the things that you guys were talking about, Felicia Rashad and Brisha Webb, you were talking about the, um, um, this movie a fall from grace went so far away from the movies that we're used to seeing Tyler do. And so this gave it, gave me even a different feel and it, it amplified my level of respect because this is a thriller because when you first look at the initial first five seconds what do you see in the trailer? Okay, this is going to be another. But then as you keep going through the trailer and when you see, God forbid, if you watch the movie, this is the exact antithesis of any movie that Tyler Perry has ever done. And the cast is stellar. The energy, stellar movie, everything from zero to the last second of the movie. It's just you will stay on your on the edge of your seat because just when you think you figured it out bam yeah no i like tyler takes chances i know people give tyler perry a hard time man tyler perry's that dude like you know and you know the, the one thing i love about tyler perry is he can get his movies made and he can get them financed i mean you know mm-hmm. tyler perry knows how money works and he knows the importance of financing like he's always been that guy so there's not really much you can say about that i mean he's, he's incredible Absolutely. in that space Absolutely. Absolutely. And then your my, my next one of my go-to that I absolutely love, because you know, I love me some Ice Cube. Yes, yes, yes. I'm a huge fan of Ice Cube. When you um, did your interview with Ice Cube on the film High Note, I ha- I'm going to quote you. You asked him, do you remember you asked him this question? You said, what would the young Ice Cube say to the older Ice Cube? So then let me ask you, what would the young Sean say to the older Sean now? 
Uh, I would say, <laughs> go to business. I, w- I, w- I would tell myself to go to business school okay. and uh, make a bunch of friends in college because when they graduate from college, they're going to be the ones who's running the world and you can't get anything done without financing. So understand the money and be plugged into the money network. That's, mm. that's because once you get the money, you can do anything you want. You know, if you, if you, you know, say you have dreams to open a restaurant, like you can have the best idea and concept ever known to man, but if you don't have the money to finance it, that restaurant never opens. You can write the best movie script ever, but if you have the financing to get the movie shot, it's never going to get filmed. Like, you know, financing is the one thing I think that um, we as black people have mm-hmm. failed to educate one another about for decades. Like there, mm-hmm. there've been, there've been great moments in history when it comes to black people. I, I, I think that's also the biggest disappointment of the, the civil rights movement, you know, that started in the 50s, well, actually started in the 40s, but really got strong in the 50s and saw a zenith in the 60s mm-hmm. is, yeah, they were fighting for desegregation, but mm-hmm. we really should have been fighting for, you know, financial equity. You know, that was, that was, I, I think that was the biggest fallacy because what we did is we actually killed ourselves and killed our communities because by desegregating, we started taking money out of our own community and running to these other communities and begging them to let us shop in their stores and eat in their restaurants. And we should have just kept like financing ourselves mm-hmm. because that, and then not teaching you know, financial literacy. I mean, it's a travesty. I mean, we really got to like, yeah, teach our young people how this money game works, how credit works, how the stock market works. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would definitely yeah, I tell my younger self, like, yeah, go to go to business school, do that mm-hmm. first, and then all the other doors will open for you. And then you'll be in a position to make things happen because you can you can finance them because you understand how money works and you have access to money and you know the people who control the purse strings. That's where it's at. You know, when you when you have these different events and you're looking for sponsorship or you're trying to like get financing for something, you know, right. the people with the purse strings control your future. They control whether or not you can do it or not. Absolutely. And that, that's a that's a that's 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 more power than than Spider Man and Batman put together. Like you 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 you're the person who can say, oh, so you want to open a restaurant? Well, I can give you five thousand, I can give you fifty thousand, or I can give you a half million, <laughs> depending Bas- on whether or not I like you. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> or, or based on the fact that you may or may not be able to, you know, pay me back. <laughs> you know, when you Absolutely. when you control that, that's. That's, I mean, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, how easy is it to make a movie? I said, it's hard because the people who finance movies, they, they, they will flat out tell you how much they're going to give you, you know, based on your idea. When you control those kind of purse strings, you're, you're like, a, you're, you, you are a real superhero. You are powerful. <laughs> like, you control people's destiny. You control people's lives. That's it. I mean, you know, it's just like when you go, you know, when you walk in or, or you go online to buy a new car, you know, have you ever thought who's the person who decides how much you qualify for? You know, That's it's right. like, or, or who designed the credit score algorithm? Like whoever mm. designed that, they control your destiny. That's just They're true. basically telling you, you can have this car, but you're going to pay me this much. And this percentage is going to be like the interest rate. Like there's a Absolutely. person who makes that decision. That person is powerful. Because they tell you what, what kind of house you can buy, what kind of car you can get, what kind of vacation package. You, yeah, they, they control. So we, I would tell them, go to, go to business school and all this other stuff would have been way easier. Every <laughs> black person in the world, 
every black person in the world needs to go enroll in business school and I, learn about this I can money. Agree. I can agree. And because no, our- we got to learn about this money and then we got to start, we got to start pooling our resources. So if there is a young black filmmaker, he should be able to a black person chose the purse strings that can give him 5, 10, 15, 20 million he needs to make his movie. If I want to open a restaurant, I should be able to go to a black person who's like, I love this idea for your restaurant. How much do you need? I need $500,000 small business loan here, and I'm going to keep the interest rate low. So you have a fighting chance to keep the restaurant open past one year. So you can get to year two, year three, year four, year five, and all of a sudden you're good because there's a certain point to where, all right, you're going to be successful. You're not going to struggle anymore. But that's the that's the problem. We don't have access to capital. And I would say there's a young kid who's just, he's come up with concept and created the best app ever. Well, mm-hmm. if you can't get startup money, that app's never going to, I mean, you know, you know, there's other people out here coming up with ideas getting you know, look at all these, look at all these, 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 these crazy stories of all these people who came up with stupid ideas and con people for money, like the, right. like the, like, like the Elizabeth Holmes, like, they're like, Bernie oh, that's an idea. yeah, all these people, man, Elizabeth Holmes, like, oh, I came up with an idea. They're like, oh yeah, man, this, yeah, we'll get this, we'll evaluate it at nine billion dollars, <laughs> and it was based on some BS. There so it is. we 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 need to be in that position where we control the purse strings, where we determine what the evaluation is. We determine who we want to give the money to based on the ideas that we like. That's the real power. Mm. I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, if I could go back and say to my younger self, um, the one thing that I I, I would say is the term loyalty. I heard Steve Harvey say this at a um, seminar once. He said that that's a term that expires. I was loyal to the wrong people for too long when they were not loyal to me. And I would go back and tell myself, like you said, because of that, that it it caused a negative effect for me because like you said, I focus more time on trying to be loyal and trying to understand the dichotomy on how money works, how money, because I know people who have money as to you, but their money still doesn't work for them. But I didn't understand the graphs of finance until later in life. So you are absolutely correct. If you don't have a grasp of how money works, capital, it, hey, that's what makes the world what it look Wu Tang. I listen to them. I give them shouts to this song called Cream. Cash rules everything around me, basically. <laughs> and it's a great and it's a great song. So come on. <laughs> Shot, come on. So Wu Tang, man. Love you the know, I love me some Rizza. But anyway, is <laughs> a, a bad boy. Riz is a cool dude. All of them guys coming out of Wu-Tang are bad. I mean, Method Man is doing, I mean, if you stop and think about it, they all learn and found their niche and learned how it worked for them. And kudos out to them. Um, you being a film critic, but it's interesting because you didn't always start off as a film critic. Didn't you first start off as a music writer? Yeah, yeah. You used to write for the, uh, back in the day, man. Come on, I grew up. I was just telling somebody the other. I was just telling somebody the other day. I was I was raised by Def Jam. Um, No, I was born at the right. I was born at the right time. So that the me growing up in the intersection of hip hop, like it's it it was it was perfect timing. So yeah, I I grew up on hip hop. I was hip hop head. Uh, Yeah, I I freelance wrote for the for the Source Mm -hmm. Vibe. 
Double XL. Remember that that magazine, Honey? All of those back in the yeah. day. Yeah, all of those. But I primarily, I primarily did stuff in the. I primarily wrote for the source, was cool. But those were like those hip hop magazines were the gateway for a lot of black journalists because back when I was coming coming up, like in the mid nineties, um, like New York Times, L.A. Times, Rolling Stone magazine. All those places they weren't they weren't hiring black people really. So if you wanted to write, yeah, we had to write for our own publications. And if you notice, a lot of like authors and a lot of like TV writers and showrunners now, mm-hmm. they all got their start, you know, at the hip hop magazine and, and are now blowing up. Like when you when you're watching TV shows like Power now, or you mm-hmm. know, the, a lot of these different shows out here, or, or you're reading these novels or movies, like they all came through the they all came through the ranks, man. It's uh like the showrunner Luke Cage was um editor at the source for a long time and these these people got their start there because we just weren't getting hired in other places and so now we're, we're making noise like years later but no it was fun man it was fun hanging out with like early jay-z early little wayne you know dr dre back to the day yeah I, I caught the tail end of that i was right on the i was right on the line with you know tupac biggie smalls all of that man it was it was amazing, yeah. And I went to those crazy ass Source Award shows, man. Where, like, you 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 would go and you, you didn't know if that was gonna be your last <laughs> show or your last Stop. day on Earth. Stop. Was, uh, <laughs> Source Stop. Awards. <laughs> Source Awards, man. It was it was always it was it was tense, man. It was it was the Source Awards was the true definition of riveting. You didn't know. You didn't know, man. And I, didn't, I didn't own a bulletproof vest back then. You didn't so, know. <laughs> I had a it's friend crazy. of mine. I was there. I was there. Yeah. You know what? I had a friend of mine that um, entered for Uptown Records. And then, um, yes. And so this is the thing that he said to me. And it's funny that you mentioned that. When he went to his first hip hop source awards, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Cause it's like, you know, people didn't take, you know, they weren't doing, they weren't into the selfies, but he told me literally, he's like, look, you knew exactly where you were at. That was not the place. If you were sitting in the wrong seat, he said, first and foremost, he said that show took forever to take behind the scenes. This is what a lot of you don't know. And I said, well, why did it take so long? for it to film and for you you know the the producer he said for one thing people was getting up out of their seats getting going to the bathroom talking they had to be told that there were certain aisles that they couldn't walk he was like it was just a hot mess he said yeah yeah he said it was a hot mess but he said but believe this when the performers got ready to get on stage, he said, it is not like what you see now, like all of the, the fire, the glam. He said, when they came to perform, he said, everybody got out their seat because they gave you everything they had. He said it was riveting. It was just they performed and they gave you everything. And it, he was like, in that moment, if he could go back, he said, in the beginning, it was some of the most majestic experience that he ever had. And I was like, what? He's like, imagine being in a room where Biggie is crossing the stage with Snoop. I was like, oh my God. I, it, was, I don't- it, was, it was dope. I mean, it was, it's because they were, you know, 
know, rappers really considered themselves at that time underdogs. And they, they were literally like performing for their lives. Like the money flow wasn't Sad. the same back then as it is now. I mean, they were literally performing for their lives. You know, they were, you know, hip hop was still making a statement. Hip hop was like just beginning to crack through the mainstream at the height of the Source Awards. But I mean, they were literally, you know, they, they were, they were rapping this get out of the hood get out of game life <laughs> no, for real back then that's what it was that's what it was thing but you know this is something else he said and i i just thought this was so funny he said okay um he said you remember that song that janet jackson had with buster rhymes and i was like yeah of course everybody knows about that that song he was like listen at the hip-hop source awards he was like janet jackson is one of the few people that it don't matter if you a thug, if you hood, if you not, she was treated and got treated like royalty. When she walked in the room, he's like, people stood up. Everybody was like, okay, this is Janice's section. We not fixing to mess up. <laughs> I love that. I was like, really? He was like, everybody handled her with kid gloves. It was like, she was walking on rose petals. And I asked him, I was like, so why is that? He said, if you've never met Janet Jackson, she's one of the most humble individuals in the world. And she com she doesn't demand, she commands that type of presence. And I was like, okay, see, I just need to borrow her abs real quick. I just need to- Yeah, used to be Janet. Man, when Janet had it popping, Janet was popping. No, no, yeah, of course, Janet's royalty. I mean, she's a jack. Yeah, and, she, she and they treated her like that. They treated her every rapper. When she would go backstage, everybody would get out the way. They were and they were happy to do it. The gentility side of these rappers were, you know, and that was something that my friend was telling me. He was like, every rapper, every singer, they 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 exude gentility towards Janet. I was like, oh my. God, I would have loved to have been there to see that. Yeah, Janet, Janet, Janet is Janet is that person. For yeah, sure. that's that. That's what uh, he was telling me. So I was just like, okay, bet. But okay, so do you ever get flack when you're in the screening room? And oh yeah, of course. That's the point. We want we want to get flack. That's why it's two of us that do it. We, <laughs> you know, well. I mean, if, if you're predictable and boring, nobody's going to watch, man. TV is, you know, TV is all about the ratings. you got to keep people watching. I mean, there's a lot of pressure to keep people watching. And you don't get to be on as long as we've been on if, if you're right. not, you know, getting people to watch. So, no, you want, you want, you want, you want, you want to have some fun. You want to be a little controversial. You want, you want to create some conversation. So, no, having people you know, like comment and be upset or be happy or think you're the worst critic ever or the best critic ever, that's all by design. You want that. If you don't have that going on, you're not doing your job. Mm. Do any of the actors that you criticize, do they ever reach out to you and say, hey, wait a minute, you know, you no, no, a little actors, bit harsh or do no, they? The actors, no, the actors never do that. The directors will sometimes because the directors are more invested in a film than the actors. Like okay. for the actors, it's a paid gig. For the directors, it's a legacy. So directors oh. will get upset and sometimes comment if they know you in the studios that release the movie for sure will say something. But never to, I've never had an actor. Actors don't care. They're like, plus, you know, by the time that movie comes out, they may have shot that movie two, three years ago. They don't even hardly half remember working on it. So they don't, they don't care. 
Right. And so when the directors reach out to you, Sean, being the gregarious man that you are and jovial, comical, all in one, how do you handle that? Do you say, look, this is how I feel? No point. No, no, you, you just, no, you just, no, they know. It's just, it's, 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 at the end of the day, remember, it's a job. So that we're all professionals. So it's not that big right. a deal. You don't have to, yeah, it's no, none of that back and forth. You know, if they, if they didn't like what you say, you, know, you really don't even respond back. You just say, thank you for your comments or whatever. But no, it's, it's right. completely professional. You know, you keep it completely professional. Okay. See, this is what I'm talking about. Okay. So as yeah, we take yeah. this. No, yeah, no, I know Twitter. We don't be exchanging <laughs> like Twitter beef. And all. No, no, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a job. Right? So you stay professional. You got to keep everything professional as we yeah, take yeah, this yeah. quick break. Listen, if you are listening to this show right now and you love hearing Mr. Sean Edwards, I'm going to ask you to please subscribe to the show and download this episode. Also, if you would like to be a guest on Balcony Cheerleader or you have a story that you'd like to share with Miss Thunder, I'm going to ask you to please go to Miss Thunder.net. We're going to continue this conversation with the one and only film critic, producer, and stellar journalist, Sean Edwards. So Sean, before we um, took that quick little break, we were talking about your role in the screen room. And, you know, sometimes we were talking about like, um, do you get flat for some of the stuff that you say? Do you ever get like people that want to go, I call them keyboard warriors, because that's what they are. They hide behind their keyboard and they talk their talk. Do you ever get any of that on your Instagram or on your Twitter? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a big back it, and forth. We're not yeah, talking about directors. That, we're talking about no, no, people real people. Yeah, you're talking about real, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that happens. And I, you know, I just made it a practice. I just don't respond. I mean, I read it and laugh, but you don't want to, you know, get into a back and forth like that. Like I said, it's it's a profession. So you want to stay professional. I mean, I think that's how people get into a lot of trouble on um on these social media platforms so you just you know you do what you do you let people say what they say but you don't engage you know that's the best way to stay safe and keep your job mm, do it and you know i heard t-pain say on a podcast he said he wasted a lot of time when people will say he couldn't do this and that and they were so critical of him especially when he came out and said he had to file bankruptcy and he said he spent all day going back and forth with different people on his social media page and so somebody pulled him aside and said look you never gonna win with people that's that's what they do don't ever get baited in if they don't like it you got to keep going and I've heard a lot of celebrities say they don't even look at their social media page they don't pay attention to it because if it's negative energy it's negative energy so, you know, I do appreciate the fact that, you know, because you have to have thick skin in this industry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. You just have thick skin in life in general. But you also have to be mature, you know, and I, I think that's a problem for a lot of people. They're just, they're, they're, you know, you got to grow up and you got to, like I said, you got to, you got to just stay professional because it doesn't, it's not really real. Mm-hmm. So you can't, I think a lot of people get seduced by social media and they get caught up in it. But mm-hmm. man, you got, you got to understand where your source of, of income's coming from and who controls that and what you need to do to protect that. And social media can damage that so quickly. So why bother? 
because we're in culture culture cancel we we cancel everything and i i say is culture cancel cancel culture they're they're the same and you say one wrong thing and someone interprets and then you engage and then it's just like such a negative effect it just it never stops so so much for that i want to ask you which is your favorite kevin wilmot film so those of you out there who are listening, if you don't know who Kevin Wilmot is, he is a stellar film director and he directed Black Klansman, Jawhawker, Jayhawker, excuse me. No, he wrote, he wrote Black, he wrote, he co-wrote Black Klansman. Spike Lee directed Black Klansman. He co-wrote that one. See, so. Don't have Spike, don't have Spike. So you're going to have Spike sending me a, a text, man. Oh no, <laughs> see, I can't do that because I'm a Spike Lee fan. Oh, please don't do that. Yeah, please don't do that. <laughs> Because Spike will always, Spike, Spike will always let if Spike know you, he will always let you know when you messing up. So now he, see. Spike, 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 you directed that, and you should have, you should have won the Oscar for best director for that. I'm just putting that out there, but he did, <laughs> did co write it, with Kevin. Kevin did co write it though. So okay, yeah. it's an amazing script, movie. Though, amazing yeah. movie. One of my favorites. Big the movie should have won Best Picture. I don't know what the Academy be thinking. I, I hate the Academy Awards, by the way. I don't know what they be thinking about. I you stopped do. liking the Academy Awards way back in 1985 when they nominated Stop. the Color Purple for 11. <laughs> they gave the Color Purple 11 nominations, and at the end of the night, it won zero. Like, they, they couldn't even give Color Purple Best Song. They always give Black people Best Song. They couldn't even give Color Purple Best Song. And they know Oprah and... um. Whoopi should have should have won. Whoopi should have won Best Actress. Oprah should have won Best Supporting Actress. That those are two of the best roles you ever seen. Like you can put them roles up against anybody every year, and they should Sweet. win. That's come on, like they what's going on? They they come was on. tripping. I was like, nah, this is this is this is fraudulent. So I ain't I have not been <laughs> the Academy since 1985. People still getting mm. all worked up and creating hashtags. I'm like, what y'all expect? <laughs> what you well, expect? <laughs> what, you know, what do y'all expect? Exa- you know what? And you know it's bad when Steven Spielberg, he was so upset. He left the country behind that. He was like, I'm gonna have to leave for a minute. To but you gotta remember now, together. but let's but let's keep it really, really real. Let's, let's keep, keep it real. Really, really, really real. Let's do it. See, a lot of people be forgetting about history. Mm. And we can never forget. We so, cannot. We can never forget that the NAACP was trying to boycott the color purple because they was mad that Steven Spielberg directed the film. You got to remember that the NAACP also boycotted a lot of early black exploitation films like Superfly and some other types of movies. So, you know, even our own people sometimes be out here hating. So I I, I got a really problematic relationship with the Academy because they always get it wrong, but I also have a really problematic relationship with the NAACP, especially when it comes to entertainment and their image awards. Mm. Well, they haven't always been real cool either. And they're supposed to be advancing, they're supposed to be advancing the cause of colored people. Now, I don't know what colored people they're talking about because, man, their history sometimes with Black people and Black art has been real dicey. Well, and you that, gotta, that's all documented facts. Well, you got to understand from the origins from when things started, it has been it has been watered down so much that it is so commercial now that it's so many mm-hmm. things have deviated from the original mission, the said mission. So we have to admit when you put money into the plate and what did you say when 
the when other people are controlling the purse strings that's true that, no, that's true you that you true. have to consider the source if you continue to do certain things and nobody's putting up money there won't be an image award advertisers won't buy into that so like you said money look and you i i'm gonna tell you when um the academy awards lost me first and foremost Denzel Washington and all the movies that he played did not receive an award for Malcolm X. Okay. That's I get pretty that. bad. That's pretty bad. That, I, I, I was already but, done with him by the time Malcolm X rolled around. But so but, I wasn't shocked when that I wasn't shocked when that happened. Like okay. after the after the color purple thing, I was like, okay. Really? <laughs> so, but but come on now. He didn't even get one for glory. And to me, I am a huge he got Denzel. One for, no, he, he won no Denzel won for glory. He won best supporting actor for glory. But he should have won because that if you he won for glory. It, he won but for he glory. Didn't win, he didn't win win for leading man the win the way uh, he won. He wasn't for the training lead, he no, nah, but he wasn't. A, I, I'll be honest. He was. He was a supporting role in Glory. He won what he was supposed to win for Glory. I ain't mad at him about that. He won for Glory. Uh, but now, he was the lead. Now on that you can. Now you he, can argue. He should have won for. I yeah. actually. I. I love him in Philadelphia bad. too. Okay, by the he was way, good for, he was great. He was better than Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. He made the movie. Come on. Isn't that mad about the Malcolm X? I actually thought he should have won for Hurricane. I, I, I yes. thought he was flat out in a hurricane that's the yeah. one that bothered me i thought he should have won for the hurricane and but Absolutely. you know technically you could you know malcolm x yeah i mean there's a you know denzel should have at least three i don't know why he don't have three he got Basically. two and he Basically. probably you probably could argue he should have four but yeah it it, it happens but there's some other bigger travesties than Denzel not winning for Malcolm X because I, course, I actually thought that I thought Angela Bassett and Lawrence Fishburne not winning for What's Love Got to Do with It is a bigger deal than that because that, that's that's those are two of the most iconic performances. Hell, people still think Lawrence Fishburne's Ike Turner. Like you can't tell some people <laughs> otherwise. Listen, because people still see Whoopi Goldberg as 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 who her character was in the color purple. That's what I know. People still see Oprah too. Like they those. See, that's when you okay. know. That's when you know. That's when you know. Silly? You killed it. That's yes. When Sophia and Silly. That's how you know people killed it because people mm-hmm. still see them in those as those characters. Like if you were to like round up a thousand people and ask them. Like, what does Ike Turner look like? They're gonna describe Lawrence Fishburne because that's how that's how dope he was in that there role. Like, there you know, is. it's 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 the it's 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 the same thing with other roles. Like, if you ask people what does Moses look like, they describe Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments, you know, because he that's, that's correct. What, but Moses don't look like that. That was the movie version of Moses. <laughs> same thing with, with you know, that's when you know your role is great when people de- when people describe the character of the person like no that was the actor to play that's not what they really look like but that's no there's some there's some big there's some other grievances but the the angela bassett should have definitely won as as, as tina turner For sure. and, and lawrence fishburne should have won as is is ike and then let's not forget man samuel jackson should have at least two come on First like, of I don't all, know how he didn't win for Pope Samuel Jackson made Pope. People still quote shit he said in um in um in Pope Fiction, like on the regular. Like, you know, like really, like come on. And then um, Jungle and if, Fever. Are you kidding me? Like on. when he played Gator, like 
Dude. What about a time to kill? He didn't get. I don't, like, he, I don't know about an Oscar for a time to kill, but that was no, a great movie. No, he. I mean, listen. When I that movie, I'm not right the there, biggest. I'm not the biggest a time to kill fan. I, I, thought I am over. The, I thought it, it little, resonated. It's a little me. over the top, like especially that that last speech that Matthew McConaughey delivered. Well, I'm like, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was like, oh my god! It was like a, yeah. Time to kill was a liberal's wet dream. <laughs> Now, see, you didn't have to throw Miss Dash into the game like that, Sean. But she gonna put some Miss Dash and Laurie's hot sauce on it. I mean, <laughs> you gonna put some Frank's Louisiana hot sauce? Hey, on it. I'm as liberal. I'm I'm as liberal as they come too. But that movie was just pushing the boundaries. I'm like, okay. But that's the point. Right. I, I know it was so over the top. The it was point. so over the top. Oh my man. god. <laughs> It is so over the top, man. Like we get it. Nah, it's True. cool. I know a lot of people like that movie, True. but I ain't gonna give Sam no Oscar for that. But he definitely for uh, Jungle Fever, definitely for Pulp Fiction, and definitely for uh, Django Unchained. Cause man, I that dude, that Stephen, I wanted to choke him. I wanted dude, to reach him. He did that role. He did that role. He did that role though. He I did wanted... that role. He did that role. He did it. I wanted to. You're right. You know what? I know you're right. Because when I went, I'm sorry. He did that role. I wanted to come. Y'all better stop. He did that's right. (laughs) Every every scene, he did that role. I don't care what nobody says. He He did that role. And those eyes. Those eyes. (laughs) What? And the man, you better you better stop. He did that role. Now, come on, we we are see that the, the Oscars be out here faking. Like y'all <laughs> y'all not understand. Y'all don't see that's the problem. Though. They don't understand what resonates with real people. Like he did that role. Like are you? Come on now, come on. And, and Carrie Washington was undervalued in that movie as well because you gotta she understand. Was. We I was used to seeing Olivia Pope. And yeah, that was when, when she was at the height of scandal. Yeah, yeah. When she flipped into that character, and, and I have to give props to Leonardo DiCaprio because he was doing his thing in the movie too. There was some stellar acting, but the one actress that I felt that was so, you know, did not get enough of accolades was Carrie Washington because her role in that movie and how she because see i've seen her in all other types of movies but this movie was a little bit different because she she even said in an interview she had to really dig deep and when she said she had to dig deep she said i had to become go back in time and feel what the women who were slaves felt like and she said there were moments she said and that's how she was able to deliver and they did not give miss washington the props that she deserved i'm just saying i'm just you know what do i know i'm not a film critic but i do have to ask you all movies point with that you're on point with that yeah what is your favorite everybody's like okay you got one there's got to be one movie that's your favorite movie of all time sean what would that be? Oh, that's easy. I'm going with Spike Lee's 1989 classic "Do the Right Thing." Oh, see, that's see. the that's the movie right there. That's like one of the first times you know I looked up on the big screen. I was like, man, this is me. This is my life. This is my lifestyle. Like, mm. I knew every single character. I knew all the situations. Uh, sadly, that movie 30 years later is still relevant. 
I mm. like what the hell is going on, man? Just you know, the the themes and the subject matter that the movie tackled, um, the execution, man, the the cinematography, the editing, the art direction, the clothing. The clothing was so right then is how we looked, how we dressed, the type of jerseys we wore, the type of sneakers we rocked. The language was authentic. The characters were different and unique. I liked the situation of the hottest day in Brooklyn of the year and all the stuff that went down. It was politically relevant. It was socially charged. And then, I mean, come on, man. The first five minutes with that Public Enemy song and Rosie Perez come on. doing that dance. And it, you know, Spike just let the whole Fight the Power song play out with Chuck D, one of the all-time greatest lyricists and rappers in the history of the genre and the things he was saying. We was like, oh, what are we about to see? Mm. Like, he was like, Elvis, no, <laughs> John Wayne, racist. <laughs> Most of my heroes don't appear on those stamps. Remember, they weren't putting black people on stamps in 89. We was like, whoa, like you, you, that you, you watch that opening credit sequence. You're like, man, where's my seatbelt? We about to do, we about to go on a ride. There and it Spike is. took you on a ride, man. And then at the end, you're like, man, they killed Radio Raheem. You know, we had already been seeing incidents in real life where the police were killing black people. Then you see it on a big screen. You're like, oh, man, it just brought everything home. And then Spike threw that trash can through the window and you wanted to throw a trash can through the window. Yep. And then my man was going to the pizzeria where only black people was buying the pizza. And it's like, why ain't no black people on the wall? We're like, yeah, what, what what's going on? The question no on the wall. It was just. You know, and then, you know, the John Turturro, Spike Lee conversation where Spike was like, everybody you like is black, but yeah, we, you, you know, you inward this, inward that, you know, his favorite basketball player was Michael Jordan, his favorite actress, that stuff's rich, just, that movie just hit, you can, like, you can watch that movie today and you still, still like, want to have a conversation with somebody after it's over, that's, that's, that's powerful cinema right there, that's, that's my joint, like, it's just an amazing movie, amazing movie, didn't even get nominated for Best Picture, here we go again, the, the, the Academy Awards is so whack, the Academy mm. Awards are so whack. Like this, mm. like what other movie, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, are we talking about that came out in 1989? Like what other movie are we talking about? Like what movie won Best Picture in 1989? It was like Ordinary <laughs> People, something we, don't even, something we don't even have on TV when we clean in our house in the background. Stop, you need to set in a seat. <laughs> Cause some movies are real, some movies are real good when you clean in your house. Like, I like, there's a time for a movie to be good where you don't got to pay attention to it. Like, right. there's just some movies are good where you can just be like, you got your remote and you just pick up in the middle. Like, there's some like, like cleaning the house classics. Right. There's some right. clean, there's some clean, like, there's a difference between a movie you got to sit and watch and a cleaning the house classic. Man, there's yeah. some, and Tyler Perry got about 15 of those. I, I just about all of them. Just about, <laughs> I'm just saying because. Tyler will, Tyler will get you through some chores. You got to fold some laundry, watch yes. the deal. That's it. Vacuum, <laughs> you got to vacuum your house, you know watch what, the deal. Got to buff your hardwood floor, watch the <laughs> <laughs> You got oh, wait pack a your kids lunch for the week, watch the deal. Or why did we get married? Or why did we get married? <laughs> I also, man, I love, I love why did we get married and why did we get married too? Because Tyler is a master yes. at manufactured drama. Tyler Come will on. create fake drama in a minute what? and always present the wackiest of solutions ever. <laughs> <laughs> 
but you have to see it's like you know i don't know if you watch his show the haves and the have-nots oh my god manufactured drama you need to stop (laughs) but she okay so you said do the right thing what is your favorite comedy movie because i already know what my that's easy i think i know that's too easy easy. i think the funniest movie the funniest movie ever made without question white black and different coming to america See, I thought you were gonna say. See, I just knew I'm wrong. What? I ma- I made a bet with the what producers. What you thought I was gonna say? What you thought I was gonna say? I thought you was gonna say Harlem Nights. I really. <laughs> I no, Harlem Nights. Say, Come on uh, now. Okay. You have Harlem to Nights. Admit okay. Now. Harlem Harlem Nights is funny. Top is. shelf funny. But in terms of impact on the culture and joke per joke. Coming to America it crushes Harlem. Look, the barbershop mm. scenes alone in Coming to America. And that's the thing I love about Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy is so smart and so genius. Because yeah, you, you know how many people asked him to make that, that barbershop, those barbershop scenes into its own movie? And he's like, nah, nah. Because he could have easily did it and ruined that whole experience. Now, they almost mm. did it with Coming to America, too. But I'm gonna let him. I'm gonna let him slide. Stop but no, the coming, scene. <laughs> coming to, coming, yeah, y'all know coming to America too is kind of whack. But I love Eddie, so I, you know, I, right. I, 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 did, I didn't, I didn't slay it. I was like, yeah, <laughs> they should have left Eddie, it alone. Eddie's they my guy. Left, no, Eddie, they should have left, left it alone. But Eddie's my guy. I understand. I don't think he got that 125 million dollar check though. Basically, I'm not. No, Amazon bought that for 125 million. So, but okay. amen. But no. Eddie, <laughs> But now the first coming to America, like the barbershop scenes alone. And then you gotta remember, before coming to America, black people in America had a, a really weird like affinity toward Africa. We wasn't really messing with we you know, Africa was negative. So people don't give Eddie Murphy credit for that. Eddie Murphy swung the even though Zamunda's fake, like which is absolutely hilarious. But he swung. Because we got to remember, Coming to America came out right before the sort of like uh, that whole black movement that you saw spring up in hip hop, right. you know, where people were wearing the African medallions and the this and the that. Coming to America sort of predated that. So you could say Coming to America sort of had a hand in like, like, sort of like changing our perception and changing the lens on on Africa. You know what I mean? Yeah, the was, imagery was, was different. The imagery right. was different. But, because the, you gotta, but the, the attitude and the ideology was different because the, Eddie Murphy created a situation where, because most people's perception, which I hate because when you travel to Africa, it's nothing like this, but most exactly. people's perception were watching those commercials at 2 a.m., where they showed like these starving kids, which were from just one small part of Africa from one particular country. Like most people don't understand. There's more than 40 countries in Africa and there's different cultures and different lifestyles and there's cities as glorious as New York and LA. And like, it's, that's why I love Netflix. So they're, they're, they're showing people different aspects of Africa, but Eddie Murphy swung that because they were African, but they were like royalty. Like they lived in palaces and they, 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 they had dope gear and, they were rich and they had their like like the famous line John Amos is like man he's got his own money yep. like his face yep. is on the money like that shit that that positive that that positivity toward Africa I don't like Eddie Murphy always does that with his movies just like 
like with Boomerang, like he, like his he 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 created this advertising agency and showed black people going to work in a business office. They 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 got dressed up and they ran things and they made decisions and they controlled their own lives and they 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 were rich. They like they could do things. Yeah, like that's man, that's. Come on, man. Cinema images are powerful. They mold people's perceptions. And what he did with coming to America, Africa was, was man, it's, and then the whole, like, the McDowell, it was so, there were so many elements, like the Jerry Curl jokes and the McDowell's jokes and the casting, once again, man, he was putting mm-hmm. different people, Madge Sinclair and James Earl Jones mm-hmm. and John Amos. So you could tell he respects his elders. And then he also brought on new people and he rode with his boy, Arsenio Hall. It's like, it was, it, it was, Man, it was it was so cool, man. Yo, Samuel Jackson's in the movie. Like yeah. it's and it's the jokes, man. The jokes, the jokes, man. The timing, the timing, man. But no, Harlem Nights is funny, but it's not. It's like Harlem Nights is on the same level as life. Like life in Harlem, like, they, uh, life in life in Harlem, Harlem Nights. But I actually think trading places in terms of Eddie Murphy, man, trading places to me is funnier than Harlem Nights because the social commentary is just just dead on. I don't like, trading know. Places, no, trading places is funny. Just but the, Harlem Nights, the funny. delivery, the whole no, no, scenery. No, no, it's cool. It's cool. Setting, no, no. I, but you I'm have not to admit, it was I like funny. it. Becoming to America is funny. No, I didn't say it's not funny. Oh, my I just God. Said, coming the, to America is funnier. I, I like coming to America. I go in terms of Eddie Murphy movies, like I, go, I don't know because you had okay, you had Robin Harris, you had Richard Pryor, you had Red Fox, you had Delary, you had all of these hilarious people. Arsenio no, Hall, it's the, it, yeah, it just it, don't have as many. It, was, it don't have as many memorable. It doesn't have as many. It's got memorable moments. It just doesn't have as many memorable moments. Like same person. It, it, it just was so everybody's, everybody's different. Yeah, everybody's different. Right. But, but I just wasn't used to, I guess what made everything so funny is like, I was um, looking at the behind the scenes. They were all just being themselves. Like when they came together, because you know, like when people naturally put together a script, but they all deviated from the script. And I mean, it was the way they delivered. Like you really did believe that they were, all, I thought they were all family, even though I knew that they weren't, but they behaved like brothers and sisters. Oh, no, and no, no, no. That's what made it good. That's what made it great. But that is what made it great. That's what made it. That's what made it great. Delores was underrated in that movie because oh, she's she, underrated. She got a lot of. She got a. She got a. She got a. Um. She got a lot of credit. Yeah, people she love did, her. Did but not the way she should have because it was just the way she delivered. Come on, bring 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 your way. No, no, bring your she, way. No, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, but she's been yeah, Della, Della, Della is a, a, a comedic legend now. And it was one of the greatest because I and I, I freeze that moment in time because when did you ever have a cast with that many comedic legends all in one movie? Red Fox again, Richard Pryor. Come on, yeah. and Robin Harris. Oh, you, you don't have to sell me on it. I'm still going coming to America, though. It's just, it's <laughs> not funny in coming to America. I I know it was in it, but it's not funny in coming to America. Right, right, right. Okay, so what's the best dramatic movie ever? Priya. Uh, 
is quite a few. And I think I'm going to get you on this. I think I might know where you might go with this one. Best dramatic. Uh, man, best dramatic ever. I mean, that's hard. I mean, just from a from a screenplay subject matter execution standpoint, uh, it's when you're talking drama, man, it's hard to beat Moonlight. Ooh. I mean, Moonlight's just a special, Moonlight's a special film. I'm going to have to agree that it, because it, it brought so many, um, Moonlight it, didn't hold back on nothing. Come on. Yeah, Moonlight, that's why a lot of black people don't like watching Moonlight. It's, it's too much. But I'm going to tell you another movie that I really like that uh, is very dramatic and uh, I, I, I think deserves more credit. I, I really like Baby Boy. Really? I, really like, I, I, I loved it. The acting was stellar. Um, the scene was stellar. But Baby Boy hits. Baby Boy hit a lot. Baby Boy rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Like baby boy is it's an underrated man john singleton man i like baby boy better than boys in the hood ooh, 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 ooh. i thought, like, I thought at the time boys in the hood came out i thought boys in the hood was a little too abc after school specialist but see they were but, but you gotta go back let's go back in time let's go back into the time i'm going back during, in the, i said that i, I went on, i'm on record time, of, we I'm did not though. see that type of rawness. We didn't see like it wasn't I had when it came out. No, I I, I remember I, going to the advanced screening of Boys in the Hood. I remember saying the exact same thing when I had just watched it back in 1992. I was like, man, this is they felt like an ABC after school special. But see, I was never used to. I it, I guess it resonated different with me because I wasn't used to the language, and you know you see, but you don't. And when you grow, and this is the truest thing, what Cube Ice Cube said: the most prolific thing in the end, either they don't know, either they don't show. But but the thing is, I. I was a part of that because I grew up in the suburbs. So when you grow up in the suburbs, there is like this, this wall of illusion. You're like, okay, it can't be that bad. But that was the first time for me that I had ever seen anything that raw up close. So for me, it wasn't ABC. For me, that was the turning point for me to get my head out of my rear and be like, this is real. This is real. Wow. Because again, I was not exposed. It's all about, like you said, it's about your exposure. I had never been exposed ever. It was cultural shock for me. All right. Well, I see. That's why movies are important because if you've never been exposed, see that that's, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. I don't know. Boys in the hood is the the proper exposure. (laughs) Now see. Boys in the hood. I know it's a classic, man. It woke me up, but it served its purpose, and that's what it did. It woke me up. Minister Society's better. Minister Society's better. No, Minister Society. They're both good. I I have to say that. But you have to admit, when Ricky got shot, come on, Ricky, everybody in every theater. Ricky, come on now, Morris Chestnut. Yeah, but that doesn't make you know, that doesn't make the movie great. I mean, that's an okay scene, but that doesn't make the movie great. <laughs> One can, scene doesn't make a movie great. 
but the whole scene was well you know what some parts of it but again i had not been exposed to what gang life was like in la come on now yeah most not- people had which is why you know uh, minister society's better South right. Central better. A lot of people haven't seen the movie South Central. South Central is a I really did. good movie. It's a, that was good. it's a better depiction. Yeah, South Central is good. That was a little South bit more Central. edgier, too. I, I will give you that. because they Actually, came- John Singleton's TV show that's on right now is a, it's a much better depiction. I mean, I love Snowfall. Snowfall is amazing. Come on. Like, you know, he started that show before he passed away. Snowfall is mm. amazing. Mm. Snowfall is really good. I like Snowfall. It's good. Matter of fact, I'm going to watch the next I got they sent me the final episodes in advance. I'm gonna watch those today. Snowfall is real right from the jump. There is no one of the things I love about that is that there is no illusion in any of it. No, no, it's, no. Snowfall is good, man. It comes right they, at you they, from scene and one, they, they're keeping, one. And they're keeping it real. So I hope they keep yeah. it real. Snowfall is yeah. for yeah. sure. They're keeping it all the way real. Okay. Yeah, so what are Okay, who are the up-and-coming rising film directors that we all need to be looking out for? Because there's so many. There's so many. That's a good question. Uh, I'm really digging with Matthew Cherry and what he's going to do down the road. Uh, He did the animated short, Hair Love. Yeah. Uh, I'm really interested to see what he does in the future. He's a good guy, talented guy. Um, Yeah. Uh, Also, James Samuel, who's actually, you know, the singer Seal? Yes. That's his little brother. Uh, oh, he wow. The Fall. Yeah, he directed The Harder They Fall. Um, yeah, no definitely way. keep your eye out on him. The Harder They Fall is my favorite movie that came out last year. That was just, that movie's amazing. I I just watched that movie on the regular, just when I want to feel, you know, just to, because it, it it really, like, inspires me to be super creative because everything they did with that film was, like, so amazing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, James James Samuel is definitely someone to, to be on the be on the lookout for. There's, um also, Nia DaCosta. Um, okay. She directed Candyman. Um, mm, Candyman. Yeah, Candyman. Yeah. Candyman. Candyman. Was, I, I, I love what she did with Candyman. Um, she went in a different yeah. direction from the original. I, yeah, I love what she did with it. Yeah. I, mean, I, I thought what she did with it was amazing. So, yeah. So, it yeah, was a thriller, so, for sure. Yeah, Matthew Cherry, James Samuels, Nia DaCosta. Be on the lookout for those three. Let me ask you this. I, we've, we've talked about everybody else, but I also have to give you so much for what and how you have aided into cinema, especially as it relates to Black America. What is your best work that you ever produced and written or worked on? Which one do you think that might be? Because uh, you've worked on a lot of stuff. Listen, people, yeah. I am telling you, you got I, we could go on for hours, but Sean Edwards is way for people who don't understand the level. Uh, the you're bigger teamwork, than Cisco than Ebert. Nah, you're bigger teamwork, than that. <laughs> but it's just, but don't know because the thing is what people don't understand. If you ever Google Sean Edwards, S-H-A-W-N, don't don't get it confused. The things that he brought from the time he started his film credit. I mean, because I need to give kudos to you for this. You're also a stellar journalist. Please well, don't, get, don't get anything twisted. You are a stellar, stellar journalist. Your journalism skills, not that I'm minimizing, mind you, because I'm not minimizing your film credit, but my God, to be able to write on the level that 
you write on? Come on now. Come on well, now. I mean, it's, 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 it's you know, hard work. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> you're time, and dedication. And you're yeah. talented and you well, like because your peers, that. your peers describe you. This is the word that your peers describe you as a transcendent journalist. That I mean, come on now. For your peers and for people to think of you in this industry, one of the toughest, cutthroat, everybody's backbiting. This you are to me as I've researched and as I've talked to you before and I've studied you. To me, you are the Michael Jordan in this industry. Well, I don't know. Well, some, I don't know. There's some people out there killing it now. No, but you're killing it too. I appreciate that. That may be true. There's some other people here. I want to get private. There's some some people out here doing some good stuff. Like my boy Lee Thomas in Detroit. He's amazing. He's got a show up here. Like he's a really good dude. Greg Russell's also in Detroit. He does some good stuff. My man Tim Gordon, who does the Black Real Awards, he's dope. Wilson Morales does blackfilm.com. He's great. Benia Thomas at you know EUR Web is amazing. You know, you got, you know, Tyra Martin, who's an amazing producer at WGN, True. does great stuff. So, yeah, we're out here. It's a collective. It's a collective. It's a collective. But you're up there. And I need you to understand that I take the, I, I so appreciate, if no one has ever said this to you, because see, remember, we're on the balcony now together, three stories. If no one has <laughs> ever said to you. We just need I'm... to cast the twilight. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? We're just going to have to do a whole new casting. But anyway, that's a different story. But I want to I want to say thank you, because I do want you to understand that there are people out there that well may never be able to get to you. But I acknowledge. Let me just say I'm well, acknowledging you. your grind, because in this business, you need to tell anybody, please, before we end this episode, tell anybody out there that wants to be a writer, wants to be a producer, wants to be a film critic, give them the raw and no illusions on what it takes, the grind work. Give it to them straight, Sean. You got to do it every day. If if you're going to be a writer, you got to write every day. If you're going to review movies, you got to watch movies and write about movies every day. Do the research, learn the history, learn the industry. it's 2022, so there's no excuses on getting your work out into the world. Like, create a platform and just do it every day. You got to work every day. You got to write every day. You got to build your audience every day. And then when you get to a certain point, someone's going to notice what you're doing and you just elevate to the next platform. But no matter what you do, you got to do it every day. If you're writing a screenplay, if you got an idea that you want to see become a movie, you got to write every day. And you got to know that when you write that first draft, you're going to have to write a second draft and the third draft and the fourth draft and the fifth draft and the sixth draft. And it's never going to be perfect. But no matter what you do, you got to do every day. If you're an aspiring actor, you got to act every day. You know, you got to go to audition after audition after audition after audition after audition. You know, everything you got to do, you got to do every day because, you know, in this in this in this industry, you're going to hear no. 99.9% of the times, but just that, that one yes is your is your opportunity. But do know you gotta do it every day. You gotta work. Uh you gotta make sacrifices. You know, no one, no one's rich day one, you know. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, you know, you might have to Tell catch it. the bus. I had to catch the bus or the train for a few years or sleep on somebody's couch for a couple months but um yeah you'll get there just don't ever don't ever stop don't take no as a dead end and and keep it moving but you got to do it every day you got you got to do it every day yeah every day but no but before we get out of here man i just want everybody who's listening go to the critics choice youtube channel 
where you can watch the fourth annual Celebration of Black Cinema event that we produced back in December. It aired on TV in February. Now you can watch it on YouTube. Like when you ask, like, what's the the, the one thing that I'm most proud of that I've done? It is that show that we just did mm-hmm. recently. So, so it's it's cool. It's you did, Halle Berry is getting their Career Achievement Award. Will Smith Best Actor. Jennifer Hudson Best Actress. But it's just a, it's a really fun show to watch. So go check it out on the Critics Choice association youtube channel fourth annual celebration of black cinema it's a dope show it really is i watched the first three before you know we talked and i was like like, i didn't realize i mean i really that the the directors the actors the you know what was the behind the scenes and the what did you say the delivery the delivery the delivery the delivery everything was on point in fact i enjoyed that more so than any other of the award shows that I've seen in quite some time. I'm telling you, it is dope. Anybody that is listening to it again, Critics Choice Association, YouTube, Google it. They got one, two, three, and four. Listen, it is. Yeah, we got even, even if you don't want to watch the whole show, we got the, we got the highlights. So if you yes. only got a couple of minutes, just watch Watch the watch the highlights. There it is. <laughs> I know people's time is people's time is precious. So if you got an hour, hour and one minute. <laughs> okay, Sean, I but got it's one minute. It's an hour and one minute. So hour, but it's it's like, but that's not the type of thing that you're you're cleaning with. You're vacuuming it. This is the type of show you want oh, no, to no, sit down no, and watch no, 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 from no, beginning no. This is to not, end. It's not Medea goes to jail. okay sean i got one last question for you okay if you could choose anybody in the world who do you think miss thunder should interview next behind you because this is a stellar interview we chopped it up it was awesome who should come next behind you oh wow who should come next (laughs) yes yes uh Man, does it does it have to be like a, a industry person, or do you want no, to you know, like what, what level of person are we talking? Your anybody, level. your level. anybody, anybody, anybody uh, noteworthy. I don't know if I can make it happen, but you probably, uh, you know, a good interview for you would be um, Cheryl Boone Isaacs, black woman who used to be the president of the Academy. Since we talked a lot about the academy, and you know, she was real big on diversity and inclusion. Like that would be, I would love to hear you two have a conversation. Mm, okay, you know, I'm good. You know, I know who I know of her because right. you know, that'd be reading great, up on a that that'd be that would be a that would be a really good con- or my man who runs the Negro Baseball League's museum, Bob Kendrick. You two you know could have what? a fascinating conversation. You know what? You are in trouble with me. And if you come to Orlando, um, I'm going to make you do 500 push-ups because I've already interviewed him and it was stellar. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. Cool. <laughs> and he is phenomenal and not only does he do that but his history his knowledge of history from the onset even from the origins of life he is a historian and that was one of the things that was revealed in the interview that I have with him I'm going to send that one to you you're going to be like wow I didn't even know about this I didn't even know about this yeah he send me that yeah that's what I said I thought okay so good yeah he's a man he's a Oh my God, his energy, he's amazing. And he's so humble, Sean. He's dope though, but yeah, he's a great great interview. Yeah, Yeah. all right, well then you should do Cheryl Boone Isaacs then, since you already did, Bob. Do do Cheryl Boone, I I think that would be great. How can people get a hold of you if they want to talk to you? There's so many students and young people that would love Uh, to say, hey, I don't know this. 
I mean, just go to the, the, I guess the Instagram's the easiest. It's um, it S Edwards KC. Just go to S Edwards KC and message me. It's pretty simple. I, yeah, I, yeah, I respond. Okay. Oh, you you will respond, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> business. Yeah, yeah. That's business. Yeah, what about business. business? Okay. What about some young student who's in film school and they just, you know, got lost and need a little couple ideas on how to get back on the right track? Can they still hit you up and say, hey, you oh, know? Of course. Oh, yeah. Of okay. course. Of course. Okay. Of course. Okay. That's 100%. So cool. Yeah. I'd rather do that than anything else in the world. Yeah. 100% do that. <laughs> seriously 100% do that I appreciate that because there are so many people Sean whether you know this or not but there are so many people that follow you and understand and want to be you and you are the generations like you like the roadmap so just so you know there are people that know who you are and what you do and appreciate it they just don't know how to say it express it or they're held back on fear held back on fear but now as they hear this interview they're like okay you know what this guy's so relatable he's because look you know when we if i were to look at you on screen okay you have the pedigree you've got the look come on now all right i'm just saying but anyway i want to thank sean this is fun no this is cool thank you yeah this is great yeah lee i had a titan talking to me today i want to thank you sean so very much from the bottom of my oh, you're heart. Welcome. welcome this is great that's a lot of fun man make sure you send me the link i want to share this this is cool yeah i want to thank you and i also got to give a shout out before we leave sean i also have to thank our military veterans active or retired yes. i want to give a lot of love to my emt firefighters our teachers our beloved teachers we know you guys are underpaid i hear you i read your emails i'm giving you love wherever you are i want to say a special shout out also to our frontline covid staff God bless you all. And of course, our law enforcement officers, I salute you guys. You guys are my everyday heroes. I want to also humbly thank our listeners. I want to thank you guys for the constant love that I continue to receive. I'm over 100,000 subscribers, downloads. You guys show me so much love. I just love you guys. And as always, the goal for this show for Sean and I today was each one teach one. Hopefully we got a chance to reach one. If you want to hit your girl up, just go to MissThunder.net. Sean Edwards, thank you for spending some time with your girl. Uh, Thank you. Love it. I love it, man. Love the platform. Thank you so much. Of course. And goodbye, everybody.